Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Think we're on different lines. <laughs> which <laughs> which dush dush are you doing? <laughs> I was doing first dush dush. I was probably doing a later one. I don't know. <laughs> Making my own shit up. Okay, so do you you have any idea why I picked this one today? No, I am curious. I love the song. Okay, so everybody today, welcome, first of all, to Shit Your Shrink Thinks. This is a show where two shrinks talk about things they think about mental health, diagnosing, skills that you could use, wellness, etc. And then we give you little tiny niblets of information about ourselves, which we like to think is the best part. (laughs) Probably not. Some of you fast forward through it, I'm sure. That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> I have self-inflated importance. <laughs> so I, we today had thought about doing a spooky episode for spooky season. The problem is... <laughs> now I know why you picked this, Supernatural. That's it. Yeah! That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay, okay. Yes, you're, you're, you got it. So I sniffed it. We... <laughs> We are doing a spooky episode. We just realized that it comes out the day after Halloween. (laughs) But we know all our little spooky friends still got their Halloween stuff up. So we think this counts. Yeah. All you Morticias and Wednesdays out there. All all you little spooky therapists. You're still holding on to the the Halloween as long as you can. Yeah. So we're just going (laughs) to give you more spook. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I picked that song because it's the Supernatural, one of their like theme songs. Big ones. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So Supernatural, for those of you who don't know, is a terrible show. But I love it. Oh, I don't think it's terrible at all. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel like it is kind of ironic, you know, to like it. I mean, it's dramatized. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's (laughs) two brothers going around the country, saving people, hunting things. They're basically monster hunters. It's very Buffy and X-Files. Yeah, definitely. Only a little crasser. Yeah, a little more crass, and it gets definitely less crass as time goes on. Well, and it gets a little weird. Like, it falls off some weird deep ends at the end there. Like in the, yeah. the Oh, first, don't tell me the end, because I haven't watched the end. I end. haven't watched all the fine. Okay. We stopped watching them, too, after <laughs> when yeah. it got really kind of weird. Yes, <laughs> yes. There was, like, a point in time where it got really too weird, but yes. Yeah. So I, I really liked the first few seasons, when they were just hunting random yeah. monsters and ghosts. Yeah. No, it was perfect. Um, yeah. my, if that could be my real job, I would do that job. Uh, no, I mean, you, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I fear neither pain nor death. <laughs> I would feel like I would just want to like get to know the creatures and be like, mm, is this really what you want to do? Let's maybe not kill those people. Well, you could be a supernatural therapist. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's now, that's the, that would be cool. That's the jazz. Got to try not to get eaten. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll just talk them out of their rage and feed yeah, them something exactly. else. <laughs> so as y'all might remember, we're still learning about each other here. And we might share a story or two that the other host might not know about us or just something general that's good in the week. Yeah. So what's good with you this week, Michaela? I am now officially part of the hood. Yes. Motherhood. Oh, ooh! Ow, ow! <laughs> okay. So I had a baby, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it showed up seven weeks early. Yeah. <laughs> so being premature and born at 33 weeks, she's currently in the NICU. Yeah, sweet baby. Uh, and I had severe postpartum preeclampsia, so I was hospitalized for a whole week. She tried to die on me, you guys. Yeah. I, like a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> it was upsetting. It was, it was upsetting to everybody. It was a bit intense. Yes. I didn't realize how close I was to death <laughs> yes! until after everyone's like, uh, yeah, you almost died. That's oh, another shit. part of our spooky episode. You almost <laughs> became the spirit. I did. I would have come back and haunt your ass. No! <laughs> In a fun way. In a fun haunting. <laughs> no, god damn it. You, you know I'd try to be using your Ouija board and shit like, Michaela, tell me. <laughs> what do I do? Uh. Yeah, no, so it's been overwhelming. Uh, We were definitely not prepared since she came early, Mm -hmm. and it's really sad, you know, leaving her at the hospital, but everybody's on the good trend, and, you know, ultimately, I have a little baby in the world, and yeah, yeah, so good things yeah that's a huge what's good yeah yeah your co-hosts have both been pregnant at the same time sorry suckers you had no idea did you i know right (laughs) 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 Uh, michaela was saying some of her people did not know she was pregnant yeah like some of the people i was seeing virtually i hadn't yet told i was pregnant because they only see me like neck up (laughs) it was absolutely crazy. so then i just Whoop, ghosted. <laughs> Disappeared. <laughs> Phantom. Phantom oh, mode. crap. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's a great what's good. Yeah. Congratulations Thank to you. you. I'm so happy for you. Well, Sunny, what is your what's good? My what's good is that I quit my gerb. Ow! ow! <laughs> yeah. Hey, that might be even better than a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quit my gerb and I am just trying to create my own gerb right now. I'm trying to be my own boss, doing my own practice and doing this podcast. And it's been a blast so far. I got to be real. It's very scary. It's a lot of work. I'm stupefied, petrified, (laughs) but I am okay with it. I feel happy and like I'm following my values. And even if it doesn't work, I mean, okay, whatever. Right. You can find another. Just do another thing. Yeah. So I'm going to try to do the thing I like doing now and that's more private work and if it works great and i would love to do that forever and if it doesn't then i'll figure that out it'll be fine yeah so following your passions i think that's yeah. something we preach yeah. all the time with yeah. people and we tell people to quit their jobs all the time <laughs> quit your job <derb>. but <laughs> uh, we're not always good at taking our own advice yeah i think for me it just kind of came to a level of you know i i actually feel like i had quite a bit of moral injury in this last job honestly yeah. if i'm being truthful mm-hmm. and a lot of vicarious trauma as a healthcare provider through the pandemic Yep, really freaking was awful. And there were a lot of things that I just feel like weren't fixable for right now. And sure. And maybe that'll be different in a couple of years. But for right now, it's not. And so I'm going to try something else and maybe they'll change. We'll see. So that's my what's good this week. I love it. Yeah. Who both big, big things. Ones. Yeah. Those are like life changing big things. <laughs> yeah. We're making money moves, people. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, I take it you didn't do any homework. No, I did not. <laughs> I was going to say, my surprise labor made it so I didn't work with my patient with schizophrenia. Yes. So I didn't get to talk to her and do some things. <laughs> that did not happen. Yeah. What? No way. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Yes. I figured. I How figured. Did you get to do your homework? How did it go? I am doing a different homework than I Planned. was going to do. Okay. So- I have a habit as a person of sugarcoating past negative events. So let's say a negative thing happens to me. I have a very good ability to just kind of forget about it and move on and not really think about it. That sounds I think familiar. some people would call that avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, it's almost like it, it did happen, but it's like so far in the back of my mind that I cannot when the event comes back up again so like say a person treated me really badly uh-huh. i'm like okay i knew this person treated me badly i know that cognitively in my mind but i won't have access to the emotions really anymore same with if i was in like a bad work situation or if i was in a bad whatever mm-hmm. i will know it in my mind but not be able to access it emotionally and so it is a problem because then those people come back or those work events and you minimize come back. It. yeah and i'm like oh it was probably fine and then i try to kind of like like re-engage with those things. And then when I do re-engage with those things, I immediately am like, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) this is not fine. (laughs) This was a bad idea. And so what I'm working on this week is journaling to remind myself of why I am staying away from negative things that I stay away from. Such as your germ. Such as my germ. (laughs) You have connected the dots, my friend. So when it reaches back out and is like, no, I love you. Please come back to me and gives me all of the different things. You're like, these are how you, this is how you felt during this time. Yes. This is. I have a file on my computer called In Case You Forget. And oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, that like gave me some tingles. Yeah. I have to open my In Case You Forget file from time to time. And this is where I make notes about, hey, listen, you're going to try to minimize this and avoid it later. So right now when it's happening, I'm going to write it down because it like you will intentionally forget all the bad stuff because you don't want to live your life dwelling on the past, which is a good thing. Yeah, but it's a resiliency thing, but you have to remember actually how bad it was so you don't step back on the burner. Yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of journaling about like, okay, what happened? How did it feel? Just so I remember when I'm in like a difficult time with something else so I don't go back to something that was unhealthy. I like that. Yeah, that's one of my skills. Feel free to take that one away, people. Yeah, I yeah. really probably should get into journaling. My it's memory is so helpful. shit. Yeah, for people like us who have to just delete files pretty consistently, <laughs> like, we're always pruning those things up there. <laughs> <We> are. Uh, <laughs> yep, just delete, delete, delete. So it's it's actually really helpful because there's so many negative things that if I carried them around through the day, what people tell me, um, yeah. history, yep, yep. like I just wouldn't be able to move. So I got to prune somehow, but I also need those files. Like, so I'm just going to use computer as my extra memory. I like it. Yeah. So that is my homework that I tried. So this week, what do we got? Since it is officially spooky season. Technically still. Technically, yeah. <laughs> in our world, it's like barely started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> recording in the very beginning of spooky season. Yes. We thought we would record a bit of a horror episode. Yes. Specifically, we are going to talk about the historical horrors of mental health treatment. Yes. So although we could do an episode probably on each one of these terrible treatments, we're going to kind of visit them all and kind of do an eagle's eye view so we can see how they've changed over time. Yes. So the very first, we'll put it in quotes, 
treatment <laughs> that we have <laughs> yeah. for mental health. I don't know if it was treatment, but okay. It dates back over 7,000 years ago. It's a very old treatment and it's called trepanation or trephination. So what is this, Michaela? So this was a practice of making small holes in the skull or by removing pieces of the skull using a saw or drill-like tool. Yeah, not a lot can be confirmed about this practice, so we don't know for sure exactly what it was used for, but we know it was likely used for headaches, which, okay, (laughs) seems like a bit of an overreaction. Right, that's a hell of a migraine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Just take part of my skull. (laughs) Just get it out of me, Doc. Get it out of me. So it was used for headaches. Um, and mental health conditions and what was often at the time thought of some kind of like spiritual possession, demonic possession, that sort of thing. So uh, which often overlapped, obviously, like people thought mental health conditions were or spiritual demonic. afflictions. Yeah. A lot of times they did think people were possessed and they thought by drilling holes in the skull, it would allow the evil spirit to escape. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if it did. Yeah. And otherwise, another reason doctors then used it is they thought that blood became stagnant, kind of like water, like it was bad, and that it could decay and turn into pus. Oh. So one of the reasons they also did that procedure was to allow the blood flow out before it spoiled. So they, you know. So they were like dumping it. It was like an oil change. Yeah. Fascinating. Right? I mean, you can see how one comes to this sure. logic. Yeah. Sure. I mean, again, this was 7,000 years ago. Like, yeah. This is like... <laughs> the dawn of time. Yes. Yeah, we're working on it at that <laughs> point in time. So it may have also been used to treat things like brain bleeds or head trauma, which actually is not the worst idea in the world. Right. Because when you do have head trauma or brain bleeds, a lot of times you have brain swelling right or water on the brain so you will have situations where relieving pressure actually is not the worst idea in the world maybe not drilling holes but we do do things like play shunts even nowadays yeah so this was something that people used to do for pretty much any kind of behavioral change mental health anything that could have been mental health related which we now know some of these are medical things sure but Trephination. Yeah. And some of these people did survive for a little bit. I mean, a lot of times they got infected and they did die like a few mm-hmm. weeks later. But I mean, different historical skulls have showed that the skull started to heal some from that. Mm-hmm. So people weren't like instantly dead from the, even like getting pieces of their skull removed. Even back then, they right. would survive a little while at least yeah. before an infection or something would take over. Well, and you have to wonder, I'm assuming at some point it worked, right? For yes. some people. Right. So then they kept doing it. I mean, like, even a blind squirrel finds a knot once in a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> so the first one is trepanation. What else do we got here? So we then fast forward in time and we can see new treatments beginning to emerge. This type of treatment began with the ancient Greeks and moved to the Western world in the 1600s. And this is a process of balancing the humors. So yes, this was called humorism. And this was a system of medicine, like we said, invented by the Greeks. And it was basically this the belief that there were a series of humors in the body. And those are your vital bodily fluids. And I believe this was invented by Hippocrates. Yeah. So you had, like, I think as in the Hippocratic Oath. Yes, he's the originator of the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. And yeah, he was a Greek physician in the late 5th century. Yes, Hippocratic Oath being the oath that physicians take when they take on their white coat. Yep. For those of you who do not know. Yeah, do no harm. Yeah, kind do no of harm, thing. et cetera. The, the snake in the staff yes. sort of a thing. So the four types of humors were blood, 
we do have blood. Yeah, that one's legit. <laughs> phlegm, phlegm also exists. <laughs> um, yellow bile and black bile. So it was thought that if you had an extreme excess, like way too much of one humor, then that could be a sign of an illness. Or if you had an extreme deficiency in one of the humors, way too little of one of the humors, or if they were out of balance with one another. So too much, too little, or out of balance. Right. And there was a suggestion that a moderate imbalance in the mixture of these humors produced behavioral patterns, like problems in how you act and your mental health. Yeah. Well, and the humors actually also represented different aspects of the human connected to the four elements, like yes. so wind, air, earth, and fire, and also the four seasons, yes. spring, summer, fall, and winter, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Very much so. And that, that actually kind of like goes along with some acupuncture stuff that's like Eastern tradition True. acupuncture yeah. stuff, which is interesting to think about. But so blood at the time was thought to be the product of food digestion. It was thought that the nutritional value of the blood was what gave you energy to your body and your soul. It also incorporated other humors. So blood was a mixture of some of the other humors. And if you took a blood sample, you could look at the balance of people's humors. And blood was thought to be associated with being highly active, social, enthusiastic, just kind of like a chipper chap. Yes. Was blood. And it was seasonally connected to spring Mm -hmm. because the natural charismatics found individuals associated with that, you know, were like hot and wet, I guess. Ooh, baby. (laughs) 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 Right. So then the next humor was yellow bile. And this was associated with the nature of being ambitious, aggressive, short-tempered, decisive. And when I was looking at yellow bile, I was like, so I have a lot of yellow bile. <laughs> <laughs> one, one yellow bile lady. <laughs> uh, and so this one, they thought it was in the gallbladder. And they thought it was an excretion such as vomit and feces. And it's funny, you can even see these in medical terms now today, right? Because like bile does actually... You is can, a term. Yeah. yeah. And you can vomit up bile actually, sure. right? Obviously. Yeah. And it is associated with the gallbladder in some ways. So like there's some connections here. Uh, and I think that they just named it these things. Right. Probably. They just took these names and kind of reassigned them to... Yeah. Yeah. Things that actually made sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the qualities that were associated with bile? Like the kind of... They were associated with hot and dry, Mm -hmm. and so then it was kind of summer and fire Mm -hmm. was those associations, and it was believed that an excess of this humor in an individual would result in having emotional irregularities, such as increased anger or behavioral irrationality. Yep. So like I said, I'm high in yellow bile. <laughs> my yellow we bile's... all got a little bile, yellow bile rile up every now and again. Yeah, right? my yellow bile is all out of whack. Just bubbles sometimes. Fiery. Okay, so folks who had black bile, this was folks who had a melancholy nature. Right. So they were just kind of sad, depressed. It was supposedly secreted by the spleen. They also thought cancer was associated, associated with, with black bile. Yeah. Yep. So what was the seasonal stuff? The seasonal association was autumn Mm -hmm. because it was cold and dry characteristics of the season. They thought that reflected kind of the depressed Mm -hmm. nature of a person. Sure. And I guess like seasonal depression, if you thought about it, like autumn's where that sort of stuff kicks off. Starts to go when the the sun's starting to come down, Mm -hmm. like be, yeah. Yeah. So maybe they were kind of making that connection. And then phlegm. Phlegm was associated with being reserved and kind of introverted. So y'all introverts, you're phlegmy, phlegmy folks. I guess I'm a phlegm, phlegm-tastic. <laughs> you're filled with phlegm, Michaela. You're filled with phlegm. I can see it. It's dripping off of you. It is. It's just oozing. It's oozing. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so phlegm was 
describing anything that was pus, mucus, saliva, or sweat. It was associated with the brain more so and brain tissue. And what sorts of seasonality and patterns do we have with this one? So phlegm is associated with winter due to it being cold and wet. Yep, yep, yep. Cold and wet. That's you, Michaela. (laughs) Oh, wait, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Cold and wet, cold and wet. That's what I have. So how did they balance these humors, right? So it was like, okay, these are the mental health conditions that these humors are associated with. So what do they do about it? Well, if you were melancholy, let's say you had an excess of black bile, which is associated with autumn cold and dryness. Mm -hmm. So let's just take that as an example. Mm -hmm. What they might do with the patient is ask them to move somewhere warm or Mm -hmm. feed them warm food. Right. Or perhaps they would be asked to drink lots of water or eat wet food to counteract the dryness of the humor. Or maybe they would be put in a sweat lodge or they might do a little bit of the bloodletting, you know, Mm -hmm. where they would drain you a little bit or kind of. Mm-hmm. make a hole and let yes. you bleed <laughs> make, make different holes in your cuerpo <laughs> right or even purging right they might have you vomit or give you some kind of laxative to yeah get rid of get rid that of the phlegm imbalance. or bile or whatever it was that they yeah. thought you had yeah so it's very much just like an opposite and i and i could see again how sometimes you would land on something right again every every <laughs> blind squirrel occasionally finds a nut like right. every now and again you know, I think about how many people do struggle with the seasonal stuff. I was thinking if they go somewhere thing. warm and they yep. start eating better, healthier food, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like, yeah, I am feeling better. Yeah. And just <laughs> the nature of being conscious of what you're putting in your body. Sure. Like, oh, I'm going to get a warm meal. Okay. And I'm going to live in somewhere sunny and warm. Okay. Like, yeah, these things make sense that they would make most people just feel better. And so... Yeah, I thought that that was interesting that the humors, they weren't right a lot, but there were some associations. But that was the original, Mm -hmm. original mental health. The original horrors. (laughs) (laughs) So in the 17th century came an almost quarantine or isolation type procedure where we place people in the newest form of quote unquote treatment, our new horror house, the asylum. Yeah, which is all the rage for (laughs) spooky spookies. Yes, (laughs) yes. It's all the rage for hauntings, you guys. Oh, yeah. Asylums are not good. I mean, there were some that did employ some more humane practices. Right. But by and large, uh, they weren't great. So they housed anybody you can imagine. It was from folks who were highly disobedient, just like, I'm not listening to my husband. Right. And we put you in there. Or they're not obeying social norms. They're not dressing or talking the way yeah. we want them to dress Maybe or they're talk. homeless. Yeah, exactly. Homelessness, sure. Or it could even be people with dementia, brain injuries. Maybe they had a developmental delay or they had bipolar or, you know, they were seeing or hearing things that weren't there. Even serious PTSD. I mean, yeah. it didn't, it didn't matter. If they didn't, if somebody was like, you're kind of frustrating to me. Yeah. Or you're an embarrassment to our family. Yeah. That was a big part of it. If they yes. didn't want the association with their family yes if you bring dishonor upon the house yeah guess who's going dishonor to on me <laughs> dishonor on your cow <laughs> <laughs> that's it dishonor <laughs> so if you're bringing dishonor on somebody's cow guess what you're going to asylum yeah sucks because it was there was i mean not a lot of rules and regulations about why and how you could commit no. somebody no and like you said they there were some that had you know really helpful tactics like music and art therapy and exercise and outdoors and socializations. But a lot of them real were really cruel with solitary confinement, ice baths, then right into hot, hot water baths, yeah. and then restraints. And they yeah. often had really poor sanitary conditions that would result in physical illness. Mm-hmm. 
in London, England at the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. Bedlam, right? Bedlam, yeah. is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. I'm assuming. I, I hear it's like a what you would say is it's nuts, like it's bedlam. That's like an oh, equivalency. Okay. I, I don't know That's if I'm saying that right. Probably. It's spelled B-E-T-H, so I thought it was Beth. Yeah, it but makes sense. It could be bedlam. I mean, we know how I read. <laughs> <laughs> but a member of parliament wrote this about the conditions, and I just thought it was like, mm. Okay, I got to hear it. Okay. One side of the room contained about 10 female patients, each chained by one arm to the wall. Oh, my God. The chain allowing them merely to stand up by the bench or form fixed to the wall or sit down on it. The nakedness of each patient was covered by blanket only. Wow. Many other unfortunate women were locked up in their cells naked and chained on straw. Wow. In the men's wing... In the side of the room, six patients were chained close to the wall by the right arm as well as by the right leg. Their nakedness and their mode of confinement gave the room a complete appearance of a dog kennel. Wow. That's disgusting. I literally got chills while you were reading that. Right? Gross. Yeah. This makes me so upset. Right? I mean, can you, can you just... I mean, the visualization of that is... Why does everybody got to be naked? <sighs> It's like, I have so many questions about that. Right? Yeah. It's so degrading. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably unfortunately part of it. I mean, for control right. efforts, like, we're going to break you. I mean. <laughs> right. There is, like, it probably wouldn't have been said that way that we're going to break you down and we're going to control you. But on some level, cognitively, people are unconsciously understanding that people are more cooperative and compliant when they mm-hmm. don't have, you know, industry, power, control, and identity. Yep. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that. <laughs> right? I absolutely like, hate uh, that. Uh, yep. So that's one was asylums. That was like a relatively recent 17th century contraption, mental health horror. And then we move into the 1920s and the 1960s. So this, this lasted the 17th century on forwards for quite some time. But in the 1920s and the 1960s, physicians began to treat patients with mental health conditions using something called insulin comas. So what's that? So an insulin coma was thought to relieve symptoms including anxiety, tension, fear, irritability, hostility, agitation, paranoia, obsessive compulsive thinking, delusions, hallucinations. What they would do is they would intentionally trigger low blood sugar mm-hmm. events and then give an insulin injection. And it would last like coma. one to four hours. Yeah, you were out. Yeah, and they thought that this would, like, help the brain rewire itself in the coma, and then they would introduce glucose so the people would wake up. Yeah. Can you imagine that a few didn't? A few did not wake up from that. And it's so funny. It's like, well, basically, you want all of people's personality features that are non-compliant with current standards (laughs) of society at that time to just go away. Like, those are the things that you're really trying to treat. It's like, okay, I'll put you in a coma. That should help. Yeah. <laughs> now you're so much more compliant. <laughs> yeah, it turns out when you put I always think to myself when you I bet people said they got better even if they didn't get better if they were even they became obedient or they right. or they just or they d- denied. Doing, yeah, they were like uh-huh. I'm not they didn't report their symptoms anymore because yeah. they didn't want yeah. Yeah, or they tried really hard to just not be like quell whatever rebellious streak or sure. tried really hard to mask symptoms because they were like, whatever, I just don't want to go through this treatment again. And then people thought they were cured. It's like they're doing so much better. It's like, no, they're traumatized and they're hiding right. what they're experiencing so that they or can they get got away. brain damage from it too. I mean, exactly. some people got that. Exactly. So like if they did wake up, 
they would actually keep doing it for a number of weeks or months with these people, and the insulin dose was increased every day. Whoa. Yeah. And and then they would be inducing increasingly deeper states of unconsciousness until the doctor decided the patient was at maximum benefit. Okay. okay. <laughs> at which point then they would be tapered off the insulin and the process would repeat itself again and again until the patient had experienced anywhere between 30 and 50 of these comas. Okay. Okay. So if you don't die in between there, <laughs> You're I mean. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, but then exactly if you know. Right. If you're a person who's going into these procedures and you know there's like 30 of these coming. Yeah. You just be like, oh, I'm cured. Right. You got me. I'm turning the I'm doing the dishes now. I don't care. My husband's the greatest man on the planet. Like, right. I don't just, care how many black eyes he gives me. This yeah. is better than that. Yeah. You would just. Shit. Yes. You would just exactly. You would massive. And it's disgusting how it that is. would turn out. Absolutely. So. Then actually speaking of forcing compliance in people, we yeah. have around the same time was metrazole therapy and lobotomies. Lobotomies, yes. So in metrazole therapy, patients were given stimulants to induce seizures. And it was the same thinking that would kind of rewire the brain, Uh the same thinking as the comas. And it was mostly just lots of cause of broken bones and torn ligaments (laughs) and lacerations from thrashing around when you're on these stimulants and having seizures, which is, okay, that's a thing that we're going to do. Yeah. Stimulant somebody into just... Right. Yep, into breaking all their shit. Sounds great. 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 <laughs> What's the other one? Lobotomies. Yeah. So developed in the late 1930s and popular in the 1950s, lobotomies were used for severe cases. Mm-hmm. So it consisted of surgically cutting or removing the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the frontal lobe of the brain. The procedure could be completed in like five minutes. So that was part of what everybody loved about it. Yep. And a patient would be rendered unconscious first by electroshock, Mm. and then they would take a sharp ice pick-like instrument and insert it above the patient's eyeball through the orbit of the eye into the frontal lobe of the brain, and they would move the instrument back and forth, like tapping it kind of with a hammer. Oh, So imagine an ice pick in your eye Mm -hmm. and being swizzle-strawed into the front of your brain. And we've said before, the frontal cortex is the thinking part of the brain. That's Mm -hmm. the part we want to engage. That's the personality part, folks. Yeah. That's the part that inhibits things. It's a part that helps you make decisions, organize, uh, executive functioning is what we call it. So it's planning, organization. That's one of the last parts of the brain to develop. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I think it's 25 is the age they say that your brain is finally fully developed. Yeah, yeah. Especially for, I think, I want to say it's men. Yeah, men tend to be a little slower. 25. (laughs) (laughs) It's understandable, guys. No shade, no shade. No shade. (laughs) Ironically, random side note, apparently with NICU babies, also girls do better. Oh, interesting. Like there's like statistically, like girl NICU kids tend to like progress quicker. Wow. Interesting. Did they say anything about what that was about? No, they just said that like the statistics, that's how that tends to work. Fascinating. Right? Huh. I'm going to look into it now. I'm really curious. I know. Very interesting. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. So, swizzle stick the brains. That was uh, lobotomies. It wasn't a good scene. No. And pretty much people would become docile, complacent if they lived. Right. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, some patients did experience improvement of symptoms. But again, it mostly is because they developed like apathy and they kind of had a reduced ability to feel emotions and they had Mm -hmm. some kind of brain damage. Mm -hmm. And what's really kind of disgusting, almost 20,000 lobotomies were performed in the United States and proportionally more in the UK. 
Mm-hmm. More lobotomies were performed on women than men. Of course. A 1951 study found that nearly 60% of American lobotomy patients were women. Kids also got this done on them. What? Yeah. Kids too. And people were often kept in the dark about the potential consequences. Like they weren't told what could go wrong. They were often shown before and after photos that were circulated where a person would look kind of manic in the first photo and then the same person would look calm or even be smiling in the second photo. And they didn't really realize that after picture was more of like a zombie person, you know? Oh, God. So it'd be like, look, this five-minute procedure, look how happy this person is compared to how distraught and, you know, unwell they look in this photo. This is exactly – can I just go off on a tangent? This is why I trust nothing. (laughs) Like, this is the exact reason why, like – I was I was reading something the other day. This is a tangent. I hope nobody gets offended by this. Please don't DM me. But like about how a lot of like some of the newer like cosmetic surgeries, like mm. this is all fine. There are no negative consequences. Everything is perfect. Totally get it if you want to have cosmetic surgery. That's all like cool with sure. me. But here's the deal. Anytime historically that something is been touted as I'm going to fix this thing for you in under 30 minutes and it's just (laughs) not going to be a problem anymore. This is the shit. Like this is why I'm skeptical as a provider because I look at our history in healthcare and I'm like – Nothing is is that black and white. That never happens. Like I cannot guarantee you as a therapist – almost anything i mean i can show you scientific research i can give you like generals and what i think might happen but anybody who's saying that you're going to be better in five to 30 minutes and you're not going to have consequences is selling something yes like it's just not true and so this is why i don't trust anything like i don't i (laughs) I think that's fair i mean especially when it is some when it is something being sold when it's something that you have to go pay for and it's being sold as a fix-all again if it's a fix-all it's not yeah. There is some secretly morbid, awful situation that could come out of it that they're not telling you about. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, it's like, think about how long the procedure has been around. We don't have enough years of data to do any longitudinal studies. Right. How the frick would we know what the long-term a- outcomes and consequences are if this procedure has been around only yes. 10 years, five years, whatever? Like, we don't know. Right. They're called experimental procedures for a reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> think about Do you that. want to be the guinea pig? That is your yeah. choice, man. Yeah. I actually have a friend. I think he listens to podcasts, but I don't know if he listens to everything. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you won't hear this way because I'm, <laughs> I'm telling his story he's a psychologist friend of mine and he i think it is his grandfather was okay. like one of the last people to have a lobotomy or maybe oh, like his great uncle i'm not sure which it was like somebody like in his way more than you would think recent Whoa. history had a lobotomy yeah that's what's kind of creepy 1950s was not that long ago guys yeah like he was one of the last people to have had a lobotomy and and uh, just like the effects of that and like the generational trauma that that has on the family uh, then yeah of, like, i bet well especially when they're like we want to help you we're gonna get you this treatment i, uh-huh. I could you imagine how you would feel like especially if you actually did go in there well-intentioned I mean, I'm sure yeah. there were some people that like, yeah, just shut them up and put them in the corner. Sure. But there probably were family members. But there members were some that, that, yeah, that actually should... genuinely cared and wanted yeah. to help their 
their yeah. relative. Yeah, they're like, oh, let me do this. Like, this is the one thing that will help them. Right, this look at how well advertised. these people look. Uh-huh, yep. And then here we are, mm-hmm. years later, then they're basically sterilized in their mind. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So oh, F, that's I crazy. Know. isn't that nuts? Yeah, he he talked about it a lot, but I then he, he was like, just went on some tangent and started staring off into space, and I was like, you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't follow up too much about it. He, I, I love you, man, if you're listening to this podcast podcast sorry about that <laughs> i'm blowing up your spot but it was fascinating to me how close it was in time it is yeah you don't sometimes we kind of disconnect from from how yes. <laughs> how far these horrors yes are. they really aren't yeah. again we're still in the middle ages guys yeah like it, we're still in mental health treatment this is what i really wanted to illuminate with this episode is i've talked a lot about how like we do have some pretty stellar medical event advancements that are pretty sure. cool, like robots doing surgery and stuff. This is oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. This is really cool. But mental health-wise, I mean, we are trying, but this is this is an unexplored frontier in a lot of ways. Right. And so pretending that we're we're not even a hundred years out from these very, very dark treatments. Not yes. even a single generation really removed. Right. Like, that's scary. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, I think the next this this yeah. procedure was discontinued after psychiatric medications were created in the 1950s so if you think about that too i mean a lot of our stuff now is all all our medications are still kind of experimental we still mm-hmm. throw meds at something and we don't really know 100% and i mean everybody is different like we've said so it's so hard mm-hmm. to find the right different medication combinations for people right like, we're still learning shit. Like, we're right. still trying to figure all this stuff out and find out what actually is the most effective for people and, like, com- combined for people. And, oh, my gosh. Right. This is why I literally tell all my patients, trust but verify with everything. Yeah. That something that is, quote, supposed to work 100% of the time is just, if it's not right for you, that's okay. Move on to the next thing. Because, Honestly, not even 100 years ago, we were doing lobotomies. Yeah. So like, really? (laughs) Just like, don't take it too personally. It's not you. It's the system. We just don't know. And like, remind yourself when you're getting down on yourself, oh, why isn't this particular therapy or this particular medication or this particular thing working for me? This acupuncture, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Well, because our history is that you know, right. We, 70 years ago, we were swirling we, around people's brains inside their skulls. Yeah, and we thought so, that was beneficial. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so keep that in mind. And then I also wanted to mention in terms of mental health horrors, it's worthwhile to note that it this one's a kind of double-edged sword, but exorcisms, prayer, and other religious rites and rituals have been present throughout time and across cultures mm-hmm. as ways to treat mental health. Yeah. And now certainly this does have a place. There are some times where this can be really, really beneficial for people, yeah. prayer, community, etc. But there are some times where it moves to the dark side. Right. Um, so we've had, you know, shamanism, priests, medicine people, and the spiritual has always been a way to heal. But it's got varying success. So we could probably do a whole, obviously, podcast on, you know, there are exorcisms gone awry. Yeah. People probably just had psychosis or schizophrenia or whatever. And You know, that would be a fun next year Halloween kind of episode, doing like an exorcism story. Like maybe we should like look up like the Emily Rose or whatever, you know, like one of those like real historical ones. Yeah. And like dig in and see like, was this, does this actually seem legit spooky ooky? Or is it just mental health that was 
be why wait yeah <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like now i just want to know about this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll keep it spooky again yeah <laughs> we'll see yeah. you guys will get spooky when we feel like giving you spooky <laughs> deal with it <laughs> so what are we gonna do for our outside of podcast experiments based on this kind of fun episode we've got going on this is a really fun episode. I'm not going to lie. I really, I love the spooky ooky season. Yes. But all I feel up to right now is trying to balance life <laughs> with, yes! with like going into the NICU, like trying to get things figured out at home. Like yeah. it's about all I have the capacity for is yes. just like that. Yes. So the mom life is my homework. Trying to figure that out while not really having a baby mm-hmm. at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. So I'm going to just stick to that because I that's all I probably will accomplish in a week. Just figuring out the hood, da-da-da motherhood. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to do haunted things. <laughs> uh, I love that. Can I come along maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have something in mind? Legit? I, yeah. I kind of want to do – this would blow up my spot about where I'm living. But oh, fair I enough. will just – Tell describe, me outside. You'll, you'll know it. I'll describe it to you kind of in code. Oh. But it is a location where many haunted things are kept, allegedly. Yes! You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. You do need to check that out. Yeah, I kind of want to go to that. Yeah. I checked it out before it moved to our area, when it was like a little bit outside of the area we live in. Uh Uh-huh. So I haven't been to the new locale. Uh Uh-huh. But it is is pretty spooky-ooky and cool. And I also want to watch the... Whatever the Johnny Depp Ichabod Crane movie is. Oh, Sleepy Hollow? Yeah, I never watched that. Really? So I want to watch that. I've heard it's good. Yeah, that's it's on good. my that's on my list of just like and then there's another Netflix show, The Devil in Ohio. That looks oh, very scary. I've heard of that one. And I want to watch that too. So I've got a lot of I want to watch scary things. I want to go to scary places and my husband probably wants to be involved in zero of this. So I have to find other people to do this with me. He's like, I hate the supernatural. If you wait till, yeah, I might be able to go with you to, because my husband doesn't like doing those things either. Like he totally, I forced him to go on my 30th birthday to, I was like, this is the thing and you're you're doing it with me whether you want to or not and he thought it was so lame <laughs> but i was like oh the whole time was it like a ghost tour or something yeah i went at night for like the oh, the haunted walk around thing but it'd be oh, fun to go in the day too just to like see the items during the day yeah and then, yeah that's i i love it i don't even care i don't care if it's corny i like it yeah so i want to do some haunted stuff that's fun so do you got a joke for me today i do have a couple hit me okay What's the difference between alcoholism and a lobotomy? Hmm. I don't know. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It's dark. We're getting dark. I'm sorry. We laugh so we don't cry, people. (laughs) Yeah. Both are terrible. I'm sorry. I actually love that. Okay. I'll hit you with one. Ready? Yeah. Why don't people talk about trepanation? Why? It's boring. Oh, like, yeah, boring a hole. Boring a hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> what happened to the man who didn't pay his exorcist? Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He got repossessed? Yeah, his house got <laughs> repossessed. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> good job. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, possession. Something about possession. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay. Uh. My doctor asked me if I was ready for my weekly trepanation, and I said, yeah, I know the drill. Oh, oh. Okay, and one more. Ooh, okay. 
I need trepidation like I need a hold in my head. Okay. <laughs> so that's one. Fair. And then, of course, this last one is, of course, I approach having a hole drilled in my head with a certain level of trepidation. It's <laughs> 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 just like could not do you found a lot on that yeah. that's impressive i just like google trepanation jokes and there was an upsetting number of them that is there was a decent number of lobotomy jokes most of them were not great so that was the only one that i thought was like kind of good yeah it was reasonable you know i liked it i liked it so <laughs> everybody remember we do have a patreon oh yeah that's www.patreon.com forward slash shit your shrink things and we do have the link in our show notes if you'd like to donate to us if you're liking what we're doing yeah it helps us keep going so we'd appreciate that and of course um we will be uploading more stuff if we get more supporters so keep that in mind yeah um we also have an Instagram page, a Facebook page, and a Twitter page, yep. all under similar handles, Share Your Drink Thinks. Yep. We post funny memes. We post all the memes, hot memes. <laughs> and then keep in mind that if you rate, review us, follow us, then those things, basically subscribing to our podcast increases our numbers. So it yep. helps us look a little bit better to our podcasting platforms. So helps us do better. So if you could do that, we yeah. would love it. Helps us find more people and get more followers. So if you follow... You know, it tips the domino. Yes, exactly. Do it. Exactly. So do it. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so thank you so much, folks, for tuning into our podcast today. We hope you had a spooky mental health related time. Yes. Hope you guys had a great Halloween. Yes. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.